Hi, this is Dave Smith, author of Hidden Nikki and In the Shadow of the Matterhorn. Get ready for an exciting new episode of Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to Episode 30 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we wrap up my conversation with Randy Crenshaw. If you missed the first two parts, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. You're really missing out if you don't. In this episode, Randy talks about what he did while working on the Tigger movie that made him feel like he got to contribute something the filmmakers wouldn't have done without him. What he did for Toy Story the Musical. Re-recording music for Disney projects, including records and in-park shows, and some new material from old projects, too. How he knows he's done his job right. A rather disconcerting encounter with a Nightmare Before Christmas fan. What he loves most about what he does. What he's currently working on, at least the things he's allowed to talk about, including Mickey and the Magical Map at Disneyland, and a series of albums called The Lost Chords. If he could have any job working for Disney, what it would be and why? His answer will not surprise you at all. What he never gets asked that he wishes he did. His advice to you for following your dreams, or even discovering them. A different way to define success. What inspires him, and of course, shameless plug time. After the interview, I get to share one more song from Randy, and you'll probably recognize this one. It's the extended version of the Agent P theme song from Phineas and Ferb. You may remember in a past episode he talked about being the lead vocalist for that song, and so you get to hear him do it in full here, with female background vocals by past stories of the Magic guest, Laura Dickinson. There's not much time left for the Ears for Isaac Indiegogo campaign that Aaron and Jason from Dole Whips and Dark Rides shared about two episodes ago. If you didn't hear it then, you can go back to episode 28 and listen to the last 15 minutes or so of that episode. Or go to storiesofthemagic.com slash EFI, as in Ears for Isaac, and that'll redirect you to a blog post where you can read about it. Then please support them, financially, by sharing it with others, or however you can. They're getting close to their goal, so let's help them go over the top. Now, a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and continue this story. Have you ever wanted to share something with someone just because? Well, we do a lot. So we started a podcast about, well, whatever we want. My name is Joyce. And I'm her lovely husband, Al. Uh, Well, you know what I mean. And we're the hosts of the Disneyland podcast, Tales from the Mouse House. And the Amazing Race podcast, Fast Forward. And I'm one of the co-hosts of the MASH 4077 podcast. And you'd think with all of these podcasts, we'd run out of things to share. But then you'd be wrong. In our new show, Just Because, we're going to share all the things that, well, just don't fit into any of our other podcasts. Yep, 
like videos of our puppy Kate as she plays with the water bottle. Mm -hmm. Maybe some episodes chatting about one of our favorite TV shows. Like Lost? Uh Uh-huh. Or maybe an audio play Al has written. And we'll even have episodes contributed by others who have something to share but just don't want to start their own podcast. You never know what you'll find on this show. Why? Just because. Visit us at justbecausepodcast.com and in iTunes. And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. Was there a time when you started doing that where you were something like, wow, you know what, I'm doing something really special here. I'm doing something really cool. Yeah, there there have been times when, you know, we've gotten a chance to do fun things. Like, remember when they finally made a the Tigger movie, you know, a full-length animated movie featuring Tigger, of course. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I've been a follower of the Winnie the Pooh stuff, you know, um, and it was nice. But working on the Tigger movie, for instance, we got to do fun things like they wanted a choir of harmonizing fish to sing in that thing, you know. Uh What would a choir of harmonizing fish sound like? So I said, well, you know, probably we can go out and, you know, each one of us can kind of gargle with a mouthful of water and sing the harmonies you want while doing that. And uh, so they said, really? And, I, and they'd never tried that, you know, in the history of Disney. And I said, yeah, rather than processing it later, just put microphones above our heads, not below, because we'll spill water. <laughs> <laughs> Good <But> point. <laughs> just record us, and we'll take big swigs of water and then start singing while we're gargling. So we started trying that, and we created stuff that ended up being in the final movie. To me, that's playing, you know, being Disney characters, how, how Disney characters make sound, how they work in their world. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time I felt like, you know what, I got to contribute to something that made it in their movie. They wouldn't have done that if I hadn't been there. That is really cool. Yeah, it was it's just fun, you know, or when sometimes we've gotten to make, you know, interesting sound effects you know, for Disney things, where when they were doing the Haunted Mansion things, you know, we were not only singing, but sometimes we would voice lines, and we had to be different kind of characters, spooky characters, and sometimes we'd come up with these character sounds, you know, that they would make, and uh, just, you know, you get chances to be creative in projects, and the best producers are the ones that have an idea, but also allow for you to give input. If you come up with a great thing, they'll go, okay, let's try it. And if they liked it, it goes in. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's where I've had fun, you know, coming up with a, a sound on one thing where, I forget, they wanted some Buzz Lightyear thing. They wanted us to work on that on a Buzz Lightyear star command, you know. And I, I wanted to do this sound, which is a hum and whistle combination that would sound to me like an alien craft landing. I said, really? It'll sound like that. And they go, really? I said, yeah, listen. You know, and I, I try the thing and they go, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Wow. Now, is that in one of the attractions or movie or what? Yeah, it ended up in, um, I remember we did, gosh, I think there was a there was a TV series that was a spinoff after Toy Story came out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it was for. Okay. 
and it was um, Buzz Lightyear Star Command. And here's here's an example of how things come full circle. That's what another thing I love about Disney is, if there's a property that you've worked on for Disney, chances are it's going to come up in a whole bunch of different modalities. So. Fast forward to a couple of years ago, Disney has been working on doing, spinning off some of their wonderful movie and TV things into theatrical musicals. Mm -hmm. They've got uh, theaters on Broadway, and they now have the Disney Cruise Lines, which have worked out as these wonderful off-Broadway places they can try new shows in front of a bunch of, of captive audiences while they sail. And then eventually, you know, they go through that and work shopping, and eventually they go into the parks, and eventually they can go to Broadway. Well, um, they were working on, and I think they're still working on it, so I may not be able to say all that much about it, except I will say this. They are taking the Toy Story franchise, the wonderful John Lasseter characters from Woody and Buzz, and I think they're going to do something musical with it. Okay. I know they've got it on the Disney Wonder cruise ship. They've got Toy Story the Musical on there. Exactly. And they we worked out um, some new songs that that then appeared there where they did a version of it. And they've also been hoping to do an in-park version of it for mm-hmm. California Adventure at the Hyperion Theater. Um, and it's just been held up because what I love about Pixar and Disney is they'll take the time to make sure it's right before they just do it. And John Lasseter is so hands-on because it really is his baby. I think he wants it to be just right before it goes there. They've workshopped it two or three different times. And I've been in on the workshops voicing certain characters, which is hilarious. So um, I think in the last couple of workshops, I got to voice the John uh, Ratzenberger character, you know, who's the who's the pig Right, ham. Ham, yeah, exactly. So, you know, for hammy, I get to uh, talk like this and sing like that there. Nice. Which is, you know, that's the whole John Ratzenberger thing. It's his Cliff Clavin's character from, you know, Cheers, essentially. Right. He's playing a variant on that in almost everything he does. And he's kind of like the good luck omen of Pixar now because you'll hear his voice in nearly every Pixar movie. If you look for it, he's in almost every one. Yeah. In fact, I can't think of one that he hasn't shown up in somewhere. Yeah, he's always doing a cameo, even if yeah. it's not a full-on thing. But in the uh, Toy Story thing, he had quite the uh, thing right there. So so I got to voice Ham and be Ham as a singer. You know, so here we are. I'm listening to them have Buzz Lightyear singing songs and, you know, and Woody and those guys. And yet <laughs> I've done theme park shows for these same guys. You know, and did a in-park show at Disneyland back when the Toy Story things first came out about, uh, you know, Woody's Roundup, where we did a lot of fun Western swing music. Mm-hmm. And now I'm seeing a musical version of this thing get spun off. It's lovely to see all the different ways that it shows up. Yeah, definitely. I got to go back to a little song that you just kind of tossed off in passing, and I'm just curious if there's a connection. You mentioned watching The Wonderful World of Color oh, growing yeah. up and sing the little song. By any chance, did you get to sing on the recording for uh, The World of Color? That's it, uh, California Adventure? No, I didn't. And it's, it sounds wonderful. It just wasn't something I got a chance to work on. You know, there's some that where they redo these classic recordings from many years ago. 
and those are always great fun. I remember redoing Grim Grinning Ghosts for Haunted Mansion a couple of different times. I think once for a video game and, uh, and another time for an updated version that went into the haunted house before we did all that new music from Nightmare Before Christmas. Occasionally I'll get a chance to do those classic ones you know, from back in the day, but not always, not all that often. Huh, interesting. Oh yeah, there's some great fun ones where you know we'll get to do uh, a, a version of what they did back in, in the day. But you know, in some cases it's hard to improve on the original versions. So you know, anything we could do to it wouldn't necessarily make it any better. That's true. Yeah, some of those are amazing as is. Yeah, it's just the technology, I think, and the bar has been raised that way and in, in an audio sense. So in some cases, they just want to re-record because they can get better sounds now than maybe they were able to, you know, 40 years ago or more. Mm-hmm. But gosh, it's not because, you know, a lot of the things there weren't already sung really well. We did a, a show... A few years ago, remember when Disney's The Princess and the Frog animated show came out? Mm-hmm. Uh, they did an in-park show called Tiana's Showboat, which played in both Disney World and Disneyland. And it was essentially the Randy Newman songs from that, that animated musical, but some special material and voiced for a live show that would happen aboard that paddle wheel or, you know, in the park. Mm-hmm. And uh, they've got that back going again, which is fun to see because it's a show we worked on. But in those, we got to re-sing things that had already been done in the uh, movie. And what was hilarious is in the small world category, several of the singers that I chose to sing on the in-park version had sung on the movie version, of course. (laughs) So when I said, I wonder how we could get it to sound like that, they said, I know. How about if we sing it like we sang it when we did the original session? (laughs) <laughs> no, that's too easy. Yeah, you know, come come up with a complicated way. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there are times that just make you laugh. You realize, okay, I guess, yeah, we don't have to reinvent the wheel here, do we? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yep. with all of this stuff that you've done with you know in the parks and for TV and and movies and everything like that, so there's been a lot that you've done that's out there for guests and Disney fans and everything to experience in one way or another. So do you have any favorite stories of something, maybe like a time where you got to see someone experience something that you'd worked on and particularly enjoy it or be touched by it or just kind of any special uh, experiences or stories where something that you did, you got to see the impact that it had on somebody. Yeah, you know, there have been several times when, you know, somebody is such a fan of something, um, especially kids. To me, that's the purest uh, thing is when kids experience something because, you know, they really, they're not going to sit and tell you they love something when they hate it. Mm-hmm. If, they, if their eyes brighten and they, and they do a lot of ooing and eyeing, you know you're doing something right. And um, I've had that happen on certain times when kids find out that, you know, I'm the voice of this or that or the other, or they find out that I've worked on something, I've had kids say, ooh, you know that, you know, and they start singing a song, you know, and, and I say, oh, yeah, you know that? Like, well, I remember doing the, the Mary Poppins tribute show, you know, and we had redone all those great Sherman Brothers songs, you know, Supercalifragilistic and all these things. 
and I I started singing it around some kids who knew it, and boy, we were we had a rousing chorus going for a while because they knew every <laughs> word, you know, including all the little asides in the middle. You know, they had it memorized. Although you can say it backwards, which is Docius Aliex Biestic Fragic Rupus. But that's going a bit too far, don't you think? Indubitably. <laughs> yeah, see, you knew it. You joined right in. That's right. He almost can't help it. Yeah, when the cat has got your tongue, there's no need to dismay. Just summon up this word, and then you've got a lot to say. But better use it carefully, or it can change your life. For example, yeah. one night I said it to me girl, and now me girl's me wife. <laughs> Yeah, fine. You know, and she whacks him in the head. <laughs> it's wonderful. But see, kids know all that stuff, and the kids are thrilled about it. That's when we know we did our job right. That's very nice. You know, the, the grown-ups are okay. We did one thing that was a little disconcerting. I was standing in line at the Haunted Mansion attraction in the park. Remember after we did the Nightmare Before Christmas panel discussion? Mm-hmm. And we had just finished, you know, talking as though we knew something about this whole thing, even though we had done that 10 years earlier, and so most of us could barely remember doing anything on it. But anyway, I'm standing in line, and somebody comes up to my wife and kids and I, and he goes, you know, when you were talking on the panel about you doing, you only had one line as the character, the behemoth? I say, yeah. It's actually, you had... Two two things you had, because you had the one line, but then remember there was a time when you went, Ugh. <laughs> and I thought to myself, all right, kids, move away from this person. It's like, okay, this person has no hobbies, and it's very scary that this person knows that. They've watched it hundreds of times, and they've memorized that, yes, I got a cannonball shot in my belly, and my character does go, Ugh, as well as saying, But the fact that somebody knew that was just, it was a little disconcerting. I thought, you know what? We need a hobby here. We need a hobby. (laughs) Maybe a second hobby. Clearly they've got a first one. Yeah, maybe a second one and not following Nightmare Before Christmas. That's all (laughs) I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Right. I mean, we just laughed about it afterwards, but people are so very, very big fans of the various things Disney has done, you find every level from I kind of like it to truly fanatically amazed people who know every line. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the measure of when you really you know, had some impact on your whole society is that people memorize that stuff and it becomes part of the fabric of their lives. It's true. It's very true. So it's humbling but fun. Good. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> So on that subject, then, what do you love most about what you do? I like being able to go to work and actually finish a job and feel like I've had a chance to play, to bring joy and laughter and just an appreciation for beauty into things that I do. I mean, how many people get a chance to do that in their daily lives? Not enough. Yeah. And, you know, not every single thing that I do in my life is that way. So that's why I especially enjoy doing animation stuff and family-oriented things because those things have a great life and they just become things where they're special. They're parts of people's celebrations. Oh, every you know Easter we watch the Blah Blah special and, and every, uh, every Valentine's Day we watch this, you know. So you realize that you have a big place in people's lives, people you've never even met. Mm-hmm. But I think to me that's one of the most thrilling things. 
I can see why. I can understand that. Yeah, it's just not something you could do any other way. But when you get, you know, if you're a, a performing artist and you do things that are recorded for posterity, they last and last and last. In, in, in a way that if I was an on-camera person, you know, people might look at me and go, boy, he sure looks old now. Uh, but fortunately, they don't have any me to compare it to. Right. So, you know. I think off-camera talent and authors might be about the only two groups that can get that. You bet. I talked to June Foray once, you know, and she was, of course, the famously the one woman who did, you know, voice work on most of those classic Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny things. She was Granny, and she, and she you know, she played all kinds of different roles in it. And, you know, bless her heart, as of last year, she was still doing voice work in her 90s. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah. She's just a legend in the business, and, and she's hilarious. She can still turn around and do her version of Ma Kettle, or she can do Rocket J Squirrel from Rocky and Bullwinkle, you know? <laughs> and I look at that and say, now that is a gift that keeps on giving, okay? Oh, yeah. A 90-year-old woman can turn around and, and do that. That's amazing. I want to make it at least to that age and, and still be doing fun things like that. Yeah, that seems like a really good goal to have. It's <laughs> not too much to ask, is it? I wouldn't think so. <laughs> what are you working on now that you can talk about? You had mentioned Sophia the First, and yeah. I'm sure there's some things that haven't been announced, but other things exactly. that have. Exactly, and there's certain things we can't talk about until after they air, you know, the old non-disclosure agreement. Right, it's a reason to have you back on. <laughs> That's right. You'll have to find out when it airs. But I know that they're doing continuing work on that, which is terrific. And hopefully, you know, we'll be able to do that. Um, I just finished working in a Disney series of records that they're putting up. They're called The Lost Chords. And you might have heard of them because they're finding music that's in the archives that for one reason or another was not used in the final version of their animated musical um film or television productions. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, for Cinderella, there were wonderful songs written and even recorded that they didn't use in the final version. So they're issuing these recordings where they play the original stuff that they found out of the vaults, which is fascinating. You know, they now have the audio technology to clean up those things so they don't have pops and hisses and clicks so much. But then, in some cases... We're re-singing things that never had a really good recording where they found the sheet music and said, they never recorded that because they went a slightly different direction with it. So we just did a, one of those records, uh, one of those The Lost Chords records for Walt Disney Records, and it's songs from Peter Pan. Okay. We just did a song on there where, uh, and there again, the pirates. Boy, Randy, I don't know. <laughs> there it goes again. Yep. And in this case, we pirates are friendly pirates who are trying to recruit the young boys into becoming pirates for life. And, uh, you know, we have this little recruiting thing about all the advantages of being a pirate. And, of course, we don't tell them that you might have your arm lopped off and had to wear a hook and, uh, you know, that you might meet a violent end or anything like that. So we just talk about what we think are the greatest things. Of course. It's very funny, and it never made the you know the final version of Peter Pan because they thought, you know, like many of these things, well, it's funny, but it goes too long. Mm -hmm. Or if we emphasize this, we won't be able to emphasize that. 
So many times the composers and the writers would be working on a thing and Walt or somebody else connected with it, the director and or producers would say, you know what, we need to go a different direction. The Sherman Brothers did that many, many times. So there's all these beautiful, amazing songs, which when you know the historical context are so fun to hear. And those are new recordings coming out. Oh, that's great. So that's kind of old and new school all at the same time. Right. That kind of thing is fun, you know, because it's, it's great to do the, you know, latest up-to-date things. I love those, you know. Sophia the first, bless her. But I, I like getting things out of the vaults. Mm. Ooh, I bet we can put a new coat of paint on this one. Yeah. So have a chance to do that. Definitely. And you had mentioned working on on an in-park something. Uh, I don't know if that's something you can actually talk about. But the only thing I can think of coming up, so tell me if you can confirm or deny this, sure. is uh, Mickey and the Magical Map. Well, it's funny you would mention that. How in the world would you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, they're they're busily working on it right now. And all I can say is that before they end up having final vocals done on, on these shows with character voices, I'm having to do kind of stylistic stunt singing versions where I go through it and sing it. So I was in with Bruce Healy not too long ago recording versions of things that will eventually appear with the real voices of it. But, for instance, I can confirm that there's something that will be sung by Samuel Wright, who, of course, is the voice of Sebastian the Crab Mm -hmm. in the Little Mermaid things. Uh, But I needed to sing a thing so that they could then give that to Samuel to learn how they want this version of the song to go. Or uh, Jim Cummings, who voices many things, but amongst those is he voices King Louie, and he's going to be you know, replacing what I did, but I needed to give him a style template so he could learn how the version of the show is that's going to be in part. So that happens a lot. It's an unglamorous thing, but I don't mind because I have great fun singing on it. A lot of times the advantage of that is when I hear the actual voice, the authorized Disney character voice person do it, they borrow virtually every little inflection that I did on my demo. So it's almost like listening to me. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, that happens a lot because, you know, a lot of uh, voice people are primarily actors and not singers. And though people, you know, for instance, Jim Cummings, not only is a great voiceover guy, but, you know, he's really hip as a singer and he can do a lot of singing things great. And Samuel Wright can do a lot of really fun things as a singer-actor. But they're not technically singers. That's not their first skill set. So a lot of times they don't read music. A lot of times if you sing a thing a certain way, they will listen to it over and over and learn it just the way you sing it. Mm -hmm. So the fun is to hear me being echoed back, except with a really terrific character voice, but who's singing it just like I sang it. So instead of you duplicating someone else's voice for something, this is in a way them duplicating your performance. Absolutely. Happens all the time. In fact, here's one more thing that happens, and I'm working on a, another one that's, I've got a non-disclosure agreement in place, so that all I can say is, you know, now that Dorothy of Oz has become public domain, there are several major projects, including Disney coming out with a huge one, mm-hmm. Oz the Great and Powerful, I believe, is just coming up in March. But there are two other projects that are on a similar thing. And without naming the names of them, I'm working on one of them in which I did the original 
voice lines for a character that then is in the, in their production of it. Those lines were then replaced by Martin Short, who's a wonderful actor and comedian. And then in some cases, I sang songs which were then sung by him. And in some cases, I've come back and had to match his singing voice imitating me. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm plugged into the notes that were kind of difficult for him so that you can't tell seamlessly where he ends up off and I begin. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's kind of like, you know, if an actor does part of a stunt but not all of it. Mhm. And so they have to do very creative editing so that you see them swinging with their arm, but the actual fist that connects with the uh, other actor in the scene is done by the stunt person, for instance, you know. In my case, the note that's too high or too low or too tricky, <laughs> that's me that suddenly appears. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious. But, you know, it's never boring. That's for sure. It doesn't sound like it could be. No, never. <laughs> so if you could have any job working for the Walt Disney Company, uh, whether working for or contracting for, either way, uh, what would it be and why? You know what? It would be just what I'm doing. Somehow I thought so. Really. I don't have any urge to become a suit or to have to be a pencil pusher. I'm so happy doing what I do. Good. It's great to have the job you would want to have. You know, it, really is. it certainly does have a lot of advantages. Because <laughs> I'm never going around going, boy, I sure hate my dumb job. Uh-huh. Just, I don't go around. Even on the days when things don't go perfectly, I just don't feel that way about it. I'm always thinking, this is amazing. That's wonderful. That's awesome. It really is. And in fact, we'll come back to that in just a little bit, most likely. But, <laughs> but let me ask you, what do you never get asked that you wish people would ask you? Wow. I think, you know, nobody ever says, how do you prepare for a job like this? That's a really good question. Yeah. I don't think I've I rarely, if ever, been asked, how do you prepare to do a job like you do? So part of me, because I don't sit and analyze it, says, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but, but no, there are some things, if I had to think about it, I think one thing that actually prepared me for this job is, an, ironically, something where I got in trouble in school for, and that's imitating people. I was easily bored in school, and I don't say that proudly. It just was true. You know, I loved reading and I loved chatting, but I did not love schoolwork. Mm -hmm. So I got in a lot of trouble because I would imitate the people around me. I would imitate their speaking voices, like this one girl who was really a goody two-shoes and she was teacher's pet. When the teacher would have her back to the class, like writing on the chalkboard, I would do an impression of this girl's voice saying horrible things to the teacher. <laughs> and then the teacher would whirl around and say, I beg your pardon, and she would say, I didn't say anything, Mrs. Nelson, and, and I would be deep, deeply in my work. And Rebecca, this girl, would accuse me of it, and I would never cop to it. But anyways, I spent a lot of time having fun imitating sounds that I heard and people that I heard. And now that I look back at it, even though I did a lot of detention time at the <laughs> vice principal's office, uh -huh. it prepared me for a job. I think a lot of stand-up comics were the class clown who had to do a lot of detention and had to go right on the board a hundred times. I will not talk while Mrs. Nelson is giving assignments. 
I'm sure you're right. So it's a strange thing, but I think that was part of my job prep. Mm -hmm. And so now when I see a kid who might be really diagnosed as ADD or something, you know, and given medication, well, he just can't stand still in class. He's just always talking and he's always doing these crazy voices. And it's, you know what, that person could turn out to be this brilliant comic person or actor or singer or, you know, illustrator or dancer or something, you know, you don't know. True. It's true. So I guess that, that's the question. Hey, now I'll be, thank you, Randy, because now if people ask me, I can say, just act up in school. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I can contribute to encouraging the delinquency yeah, of the next a, generation. <laughs> there you go. Just be a horrible delinquent and talk when the teacher's talking. <laughs> But make sure you imitate them and do really funny jokes that make them very angry. If you're going to do it, at least do it well. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, that is part of the thing. Most of the people you talk to, comics, a great many of them were class clowns. Mm-hmm. And some were secret, <laughs> secretly. <laughs> I, like I made that. up a new word, secretly, sneakily, funny. You know, they would, like, write down funny jokes and pass it to their friends who would start snorting and laughing, and then they would get in trouble. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Those guys, comedy writers, right? <laughs> right. So these people, there's plenty of ways people find out where their giftings are. And some of them are not socially approved. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, and for me, that whole thing about having to be having a great time and being busy all the time, I still find if I'm in meetings, I kind of check out and pretend like, you know, what would it be like if the guy emceeing the meeting talked like Goofy? <laughs> You know, and I imagine, you know, in my own mind, I'm hearing, all right, you people, I'd like to get this meeting to attention. You know, and so I, for me, that would be funny. <laughs> but I realize, you know, and then I have to laugh like that, too. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm sure that's not helpful, but still, it's prep for a job. Yeah. You never know what might come in handy later. You never do. And Bill Farmer, the guy that still does the voice, you know, after all these years of Goofy, you know, he was a disc jockey, a guy who did very serious, you know, newscasting and broadcasting. And he played around with voices like that on the side. You know, he he didn't start out as an actor or even really as primarily a character guy. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. And then he was funny. Yeah. And well, Weird Al Yankovic started that way, too, I think, didn't he? He started exactly. as like a DJ at his college radio station. Yep. And I worked with Weird Al. I've sung on some of his records. He's a brilliant and nice guy, but highly, highly intelligent and, you know, went to Caltech. Mm -hmm. He's highly educated and brilliant, as well as having this bizarre, geeky, musical alter ego. <laughs> right. So you realize, you know, you can have both things in your life. I'm sure his family wondered, look, a weird guy with hair sticking out, playing accordion and doing another one rides the bus instead of another one bites the dust. I'm sure people wondered, what are you doing with your life? Mm -hmm. I'm sure they wondered. And yet he's parlayed that into a pretty amazing career. He sure has. So sometimes it's just following that muse or following the gifting, even though it doesn't seem terribly practical. Mm -hmm. And in fact, because we're on that subject, I'm going to switch my next and almost last couple of questions. The one I want to skip to is a lot of people listening 
have their own dreams. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be to work for Disney or singing or doing voiceover work or sure. maybe something else entirely. Oh, yeah. But they're afraid. Maybe they've even forgotten they had a dream once. Oh, yeah. A lot of people told them that it's impractical uh, or, or foolish or something like that. Mm-hmm. What advice would you have for that person listening? Wow. I think what I would tell them is, first of all, keep plugging away at your love, the thing you love, perfecting your craft, you know, that thing we talked about earlier, and then really enjoy the journey all the way along the way. Now, if you do this kind of thing, there's no guarantee in life about anything. So there's no guarantee that uh, you'll do great things with Disney and become famous and wealthy, okay? So if that doesn't happen, oh well. You know, if it does happen, wonderful. But if you enjoy what you're doing along the way, and you do it with all, you know, the good old biblical thing, if you do it with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. And if you approach your craft and your love with that in mind, I'm a big believer that, you know, whatever you have to do, you have to do with excellence to the best of your ability. And I think so many people feel desperate and trapped in their jobs because they don't. They either don't have a love for it that will motivate them to do it excellently at all times, or they've forgotten what they really love. But I say keep plugging away at it, perfect it, enjoy the journey. And then if it happens the way you hope for, wonderful. And even if you just have a wonderful journey and you find yourself doing other things, you still had a pretty good journey. Definitely. That's great advice. And back to the, the coaching that I mentioned earlier that I do, one of the things that uh, I I don't tell people this necessarily. I kind of ask them some questions to kind of lead them to this point, but sure. try to help them get to the the idea that success is not a rival. Mm-hmm. Success is the progressive realization of worthwhile goals. Boy, that is true, true, true. True that, as they say. <laughs> and you know what? If people would realize that part of the success thing is the journey itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not oh, I'll be happy on some mythical day when I arrive at some artificial deadline or, you know, some level of success. See, that's what makes miserable people. But people who truly love what they're doing will enjoy the journey. And that's what will keep them at it, too. Because to them, it's not an onerous, horrible thing. Even when they're having to do really hard, unpleasant-sounding stuff, it's still part of the joy of doing the thing they love to do. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, that's, it's easier to say it. I'm sure people will, you know, who hear us talking about it go, well, it's easy for you to say you're doing something fun. But even if I just loved tacking shingles onto people's roofs, I mean, I know people that are good at that, and that's the thing that makes them happy. Mm-hmm. So good. Find the thing they love and are really good at. Yeah. The world needs good, joyful shingle tackers. Exactly. And there's room enough for all these wild and different things we all do. They all don't have to be glamour puss kind of things. Mm-hmm. And and that's the other thing people miss. It's like when people believe in reincarnation, what makes me laugh is they never come back as something humble. They're always like Pharaoh. <laughs> right. You know, or the Queen of Sheba, you know. You notice? It's like, well, why don't you come back as just a schlub? <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> weren't you ever just a kind of a dork and a, and a failure? <laughs> no, no. I came back. I was the third duke. I was, well, you know. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. It's like, well, what did you do so badly to end up as now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is a step down. I'm sorry. <laughs> you must have done something really bad because you came back as an earthworm. <laughs> poor thing. So, yeah, my feeling is whatever you're doing, I think as humble as it is, you have to really have a love for it. Mm-hmm. A love plus a gifting or an attitude or an aptitude equals vocation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And if some parts of it are difficult along the way, well, nothing worthwhile should ever be easy. Right. Nobody claimed that doing anything great would be easy. Mm-hmm. And I think we sell kids a big, big fallacy when we make them think that all they're going to have to do is fall off of a wagon and suddenly they're going to achieve fame and fortune and they'll never have to work. It's kind of like, well, who made that promise? Right. When in recorded human history has anything been that super easy? Never. Mm-hmm. We have so much, you know, labor-saving stuff, you know, in our age, modern age, and blah, blah, blah. And now I sound like an old fogey. <laughs> in our day, we walked to school and we liked it. But but there is a thing about, you know, when people realize that throughout human history, people had to spend most of their waking hours just existing, mm-hmm. just finding and preparing food to eat or trying to get water that they could drink or trying to have something so they didn't freeze to death in the winter. And to realize that we have so much luxury, leisure time on our hands to do things that we just love to do mm-hmm. that aren't necessities to survive. So I just say, hey, nobody promised it would be easy. Nobody promised you a rose garden. So if you want to do it, work. Work, you slaves. <laughs> right. Because you love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the flip side of it. It's not work if you love it. Yeah, that's true. Anyways, so that's that's the philosophy we're kicking around here. I like it. I like it. It's a good one. Good. Last question before we get to your opportunity for shameless plug time, <laughs> and that is, <laughs> what inspires you? Wow. Inspires me. <sighs> that's a tough one. I think any time I see great inspired craftsmanship, things done really, really well, whether it's music writing, singing, voice acting, any other performing arts, that's inspiring to me. It raises the bar for me, and I become a true geek and a fan and realize, oh, I just love that, you know. Love to be able to do that someday. Or, gee, I wish I could do that. That's so wonderful. So I don't have to see it just in what I do. Anything where somebody's doing beautifully in, in the performing arts, that's especially my area that I love. That inspires me, I think, the most. Wow, that's great. Okay, good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, is there anything here as we wrap up here that you'd like to mention or promote? Uh, Shameless plug time, whatever (laughs) you've got. (laughs) And as part of that, uh, if you want to tell people how they can find you online or connect with you. (laughs) Thank you, Randy, for doing that. I'll tell you right (laughs) now that you can... In the shameless plug thing, of course, they can check out my website if they like, which is, it's really tough to remember. It's www.randycrenshaw.com. So if they want to go through that, that's fine. I have it there so, you know, for easy contact, you know, for people in the biz. But that's easy to do. They can check out my credits, 
you know, on both on my website and, you know, they can listen for, you know, my work in film and TV and records and all that good kind of stuff by looking through there because that's a kind of a listing of what I do. There is a lovely group that I kind of alluded to earlier called the Cleanup Crew that I work with. And I really want to give a shout out to those guys because yeah, it's a six voice kind of the core ensemble, although we expand as necessary uh, in certain jobs where we need extra people. I call it a wonderfully hybrid character singing voiceover improv comedy loop group. Wow, that's quite the description. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, it is really that. It's kind of a one-stop shopping uh, thing in, for post-production where well, somebody will call us maybe on an animated project and say, well, like uh, Jay Stutler did on Sophia the First, hey, can you guys come in? We need you to sing like townspeople, and you need to sing like trolls, and you, uh, you know, and you get to sing along with a kids' choir on a theme, and you get to be servants and sing like that. That's where a group like us will come in, and we'll be able to voice the characters, sing as the characters, maybe even be the loop group to make all the you know, the ambient sound for scenes where everybody has to be improvising that and where we can even make up comedic stuff if they need it to be, you know, entertaining and fun. So that's what this group has been up to for the past couple of years. And we're just starting to hit our stride now. So I'm proud. They're not my baby, but I'm part of it. And uh, I'm just thrilled to be working and doing that with my good buddies who work in that group. Wow, that's great. Now, are they also, is that group mentioned on randycrenshaw.com, or is there a separate website for them? You know what? Right now, Cleanup Crew is in the process of putting our website together. So that's going to be coming up here probably in the coming months. So no notice yet, but maybe by next time we talk, (laughs) (laughs) or, or a few months from now, we should be up. And it would probably be along the lines of just cleanup, Crew spelled C R U E. You know, in fact, if you really look at it written, we usually put it with a little German umlaut. You know, the double dot over the U, so it looks like Motley Crew. That's exactly what I was just thinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cleanup Crew. Uh, but anyway, we're going to probably have www.cleanupcrew.com as our website address when we get around to it, and it'll have clips of all our work and ways to contact us and. You know, audio stuff, video stuff. It should be a fun little place for people to come and check it out if they want to. And then we'll probably be doing some live performances in the uh, Southern California, Los Angeles area, too. We did a great Christmas holiday show back in December of 12. And uh, now looking to do an improv comedy night of our own at one of the comedy clubs locally. So, Oh, that would be fun. I think it would because, see, we're like uh, the comedy people you might see on a great show like Whose Line Is It Anyway, except we're all musician singers first off. So, you know, the singing is really good. I say that without too much humility because (laughs) the people in the group are primarily musician singers. And then they do all the other stuff. They do wear those hats as need be. That show sounds like a great idea. It's like it just describes everything that I could possibly want in a stage show that's not a Broadway musical, and it's all right there, all in one. You know, and the fun thing, Randy, is that you as the audience member get to determine exactly how it goes. In other words, 
we'll ask people for suggestions from the audience, and that will determine our little opera that we make up on the spot. Or mm-hmm. you know, our comedy skits will be based around subjects that you guys shout out from the audience. So I think it'll be a hoot and a holler. Sounds like it. <laughs> You'll have to so. let me know when that's happening, and hopefully yeah. I can make it, and at the very least I'll get the word out here on the podcast and on my Facebook page and everything too so that people can come check it out. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely invite you. And then if you have friends or people that kind of share your similar tastes in music and comedy, and they might be able to enjoy themselves, too. There's got to be other people out there like us. (laughs) (laughs) One or two, at least. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and your stories and your uh, insights and your voices and everything else that you shared. I really appreciate it. Hey, it was my pleasure to be your guest. Thank you, Randy. This is Rick Moyer. 
and this is Amy Moyer, and we are the hosts of Take Him With You. The weekly podcast where we discuss life at the Geeky Moyers home, and then we talk about our faith and how it relates to the world around us. Very, very positive podcast, and we think you really enjoy it. And I love Star Trek and heavy metal music. And I like... Star Trek kind and of. heavy metal music. And I hate heavy metal music. <laughs> Want to hear more of our banter? You can by listening to our podcast. Where can they find it? You can find it at takehimwithyou.com or iTunes. That's right, iTunes. That brings us to the end of this week's show. A very special thank you to Randy Crenshaw for being my guest, and to you for listening. If you've worked for the Walt Disney Company in any capacity, and you'd like to share a positive story, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com, or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY, anytime, 24 hours a day. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, let's talk. In fact, I had someone do just that, and I'll be interviewing her next week. Speaking of next week, there will be no regular episode next week, March 29th, though I may put out a one-off where I'll basically hand the mic over to Aaron and Jason for them to tell a bit more about themselves and about Ears for Isaac. Just keep an ear out to the podcast feed. Either way, there will be a new episode the first Friday in April, and that will be the interview that I mentioned that I'll be recording next week. If you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience, and had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic, or had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you, too. Email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show... Please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. Those ratings help make the podcast more visible there, so it's easier for people to find it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. While you're there, check out the show notes for useful links from each episode, too. Please like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening. Pin it on Pinterest, plus one on Google+. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic. Finally, remember that this episode has been brought to you by Leaving Conformity Coaching. You heard Randy and me talk about it a couple of times during this episode and the last. What I do and why it matters for you. If you're looking for more joy, passion, and purpose in your life, let me help you break free of your limiting, performance-based natural identity and embrace your supernatural kingdom identity. To find out more about how I can help you, access some free resources, and read my blog, Faith and the Magic Kingdom, visit leavingconformitycoaching.com stories. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories, but this tale is finished. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line 734-23-STORY. 
And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.